0: God has brought me too far for me to close my mouth and not worship him. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And if you've been redeemed if by the blood of the lamb, you ought to be in your living room wherever you are shouting right now saying thank you, Jesus. Because we serve a good God. And he's worthy to be praised. Glory to God. Man, I'm telling you, I'm so super excited to be here with you this morning, amen, as we share another Sunday morning worship experience with you. It's so good to see uh, and and to be able to to gather, to uh, come and share a word uh, with you today. I believe that God is going to do a supernatural thing in us today. And I pray that you came ready to receive from the Lord, amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number four, we've been studying this powerful book, uh, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10, Philippians chapter four, verse number 10, and my, my subtopic today is just going to be chill out, everybody say chill out, uh, Philippians chapter four, verse number 10, the text says this, and we we'll read together from a new living translation, it says, now how I praise the Lord, that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse number 11 says, Now, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I want to read that from the King James Version of Scripture, that verse number 11 from the KJV. I like the way it reads. Amen? And Paul is writing here. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want." For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, glory, therewith to be content. We 're going to park right there, and we 're going to unpack some things to get us up to this point, because the Apostle Paul is writing this letter from a Roman jail cell, and we talked about it on last week and we reviewed the fact that, that, that our mindsets are key to how we live this life and how, we're going to, how far we 're going to go in God. In that first chapter, we, we saw that Paul had the single mind, and, and that, that bode well for him because it produced joy even in the midst of suffering. Even in the midst of being in the jail cell, he still had joy because he, had, he was single-minded. He was, he was focused on promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second chapter, we dealt with the submissive mind, which it produced joy In the midst of serving, when you're serving others, when you're doing the work of ministry, uh, you got to have a submissive mind because when you deal with people, come on, now people can be something else. We told you that on last week. As a matter of fact, touch yourself, say I can be something else. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. The third chapter, we dealt with the spiritual mind and we said that it produces joy in believing. And lastly, this fourth chapter deals with the secure mind and it produces joy in giving. Now, we told you the overriding theme in this book is a key thought from the book of Philippians is you can have joy even during life's most difficult circumstances. I'm going to read that again. The key theme in this book is you can have joy even during life's most difficult circumstances. And I'm going to tell you right now that life can throw you some curveballs. As you go through life, because we live in a fallen world, it rains on the just as well as on the unjust. So there are some stuff that can come your way that whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's a divorce, whether it's sickness in your body, whatever it may be, uh, that, that can that can disrupt your flow. But the Bible lets us know in this book in Philippians lets us know that you can still have joy even during life's most difficult circumstances. Now I want to I want to I want to get back to this because Paul said he says. I've learned in whatsoever state that I'm in, I've learned therewith to be content. Content don't mean satisfied, but that means that Paul was saying, I've learned how to rest in Jesus regardless of what's going on in my life. Now, that's important because Paul said he learned it. That means that he wasn't always there, guys. Now, God desires for us to get to where Paul was, amen, he desires for us to grow and to develop and to be more mature because the longer that we're saved, the more we should begin to look like Christ Jesus. He's our model. He's our example. Can I get a witness? But in order to get there, God has to transform us. Because how many of y'all are willing to admit that there are times when your mindset is not at the point to where you, you got joy in the midst of what's happening around you? Can I get five witnesses out there and say, I hear you, Pastor. Now, now, now watch this. Let's talk about, uh, real quickly, changing your mindset because changing your mindset involves changing your thinking, right? Changing your mindset involves changing your thinking. Let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter, and we're going to look at verse number, uh, verse number two from the New Living Translation. I love this verse right here because if we, if we ever grasp this as a church body, as an individual believer, if we understand this and embrace it, then we can be transformed to that point to where we'd be like the Apostle Paul. Whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I've learned to chill out. I've learned to have joy regardless of what's going on in my life. Look at what he says here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, pocket right there. First of all, I need you to understand something. God don't want you to stay the way you are. He doesn't want me to stay the way I am. The text says, don't copy the behavior because of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Where you are right now, don't think that God God wants you to stay right where you are. I know you saved. I know you sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking of the tongues, lay hands on the sick and see, see the sick recover. You may have even tried to raise the dead. But let me tell you something. You still need to change. None of us should ever get to a point in our Christian walk where we become stagnated. And so Paul says here, as he writes to the saints in Rome, he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now again, God, how's God gonna change us? He says he's gonna change us into a, he's going to transform us into a new person by changing the way we do what? Think. The way we think. So God is after our mind. I told you a couple Sundays ago, we asked the question, have you lost your mind? And I told you that we need to lose our mind because God wants us to have the mind of Christ. Paul said it in the second chapter of the book of Philippians. I believe it was verse number five. Check me out and make sure I'm not telling you something's wrong. But he said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. That's what he said. Let it. So, God is going to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. The way we think. What's okay? So, my Pastor, when you think, I talk about think, give me a definition because I I, I want to make sure that I don't leave anybody hanging. What does it mean to think? Because some people don't think. Some people just daydream. Now, how I many you know what's the difference between daydreaming and thinking? you can be daydreaming and people say, What's going on in oh, my just, just, Just my mind just floats. You ever did that before? Just sit up and you're like, What happened to the last hour? I'm just just sitting here daydreaming. To think. What does it mean to think? Definitely to think. The word think means to consider, it means to reflect, it means to reason, and it means to ponder. Let's go back over it again. The word think means to consider, it means to reflect, it means to reason. And it means to ponder. Now, how many of you know that a lot of times, and especially if you're like me, sometimes I just don't want to think about nothing. Am I the only one? There's some time Maria will come in there and start to say, well, babe, let's, let's, let's we need to plan about this. We need to think about this. How are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish that? I'm like, I just don't want to think today. Am I, am I the only one? I, I've been there. Well, I, I, you, just, just give me some time. Give me some time. We, we'll get back to it. But thinking is the mechanism Changing the way we think is how God transforms us into a new person. So if you don't like to consider stuff, if you just kind of just go for it, well, I just go for it. I, I don't give it no thought Pastor. If I feel it, I go. Listen, baby, just doing stuff based on what you feel feeling and, and acting out of your gut is not wise. See, some people say, well, I had a gut feeling. Gut feeling ain't being, that don't mean you live led by the Holy Spirit. There's a whole bunch of reasons why you can have a gut feeling. Maybe you ate something bad. Maybe the collard greens you ate was sour or something. I don't know. You, your gut, don't go by your gut. God says he wants to be spirit-led, led by the Holy Spirit. And so part of that being led by the Holy Spirit means we got to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness out there? So, 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 so watch, this, watch this now. So, so, so to think means to consider, to reflect, to reason, and to ponder. How many of y'all are willing to admit there's a whole lot of stuff we got ourselves in trouble with had we really thought about it, had we did some, some consideration, some reflection, some reasoning, and some partnering? we would not have gotten ourselves in that position. But we just went by what we felt. I'm telling you before, I got myself in a whole lot of trouble in the years past by moving on based on how I felt. Feeling, listen, feelings can't be the driving source of your actions. If it is, you're going to find yourself in a whole mess of trouble, can I get a witness? Let's get back to full of uh, 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 the fourth chapter right here. Look, look at verse eight and nine. I want to I keep moving because I, I got a lot of ground to cover. I don't know if I'm going to finish it all today. but So I may have to come back next week. But I need you to hear me today because what I've, what I've discovered is and, and even as we've been not meeting as a church and, 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 and having to do things differently during this, this global pandemic that we're uh, facing right now, uh, I think there are a lot of people are raring to get back And to do church the way we've always done church. I think a lot of people are still around to get back to normal and do stuff the way they normally do. But here's the problem. God needs the church to to, to advance kingdom principles. And before this global pandemic took place, a lot of our churches were having church, but wasn't nobody really living it out and going out to advance kingdom principles. And God has a problem with that. So God says, you know, I hear God saying, and I believe it with all my heart, mind, and soul. God is saying that I, I, even if I don't know if God sent it, people ask, "Did God send it?" I don't know if He sent it. If He didn't send it, He had to allow it, because he, He's sovereign. Nothing happens without His permission, right? Even the devil can't attack you without getting permission from God. So He, even, whether He sent it or whether He allowed it, He'll use it, Amen, for His glory. And so He wants to get the church to the point to where we get out of just coming together and gathering which is good but he wants us to get to the point to where we take the church out of the building the t-shirt we wore remember the t-shirt Brittany, yeah, the church has left the building we got to get out of the building amen and be the church wherever we are on our jobs be the church on your job some of y'all can't be the church on your job because you don't cuss too many people out of the job hello I'm talking to you yeah you big cusser you can't be the church because you're doing stuff that does not line up with your professional faith. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you got to grow. God got to transform you. Baby, you need to be transformed. And the Bible says here, God's going to transform us into being a new person by changing the way we think, the way we consider, the way we reflect, the way we reason, and the way we partner. Too many believers are quick to jump on stuff without considering without reflecting, without reasoning, without partnering, without praying about it. But watch the text. Watch. Look at, look at Philippians 4, 8, and 9. We, we, we covered this last week, but I got to move. Okay. Watch what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Watch what it says here. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse number 9. Let's read it. It says what? Uh, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter to the saints at Philippi, he says, I need you to keep putting into practice everything you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Guys, the idea of being put forth in these verses here is that we focus our thoughts until we shape, until our thoughts shape our behavior. I got to repeat that. We need to focus our thoughts until our thoughts shape our behavior. Because God says he's going to transform us into a new person by doing what? Changing the way we what? Think. The way we think. The way we, the way we consider. The way we reflect. The way we reason. The way we ponder. The truth is this. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Listen, what we think is what we become. Let me say it again. What we think is what we become. I see my good friend, Mr. Elijah Tete uh, stepped in on us this morning. And Elijah, I, I, I imagine when you when you saw LaWanda over when she was on a missionary trip and somehow or another you got together with her. And now y'all are married. You thought something before you got with LaWanda. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you did. I know you did. Because, see, um, when I was walking across the Louisiana Tech campus, uh, and when I saw my wife, I thought something before I ever got. Can I get five witnesses out there who will be honest? Rod White, you thought something before you ever got with Tony White. Can I get a witness? And so, so you thought it. I think it. What we think is what we become. Watch this now. This this is dangerous because it's a two-way street here. God says he wants to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think, the way we consider, the way we reflect, the way we reason, the way we ponder. What we think is what we become. Second, Second truth is this. Where we have kept our minds is where we are. Where we have kept our minds is where we are. I don't care what we say. I don't care how we dance. I don't care how we speak in tongues. I don't care how we come to Bible study and, and, and teach a Sunday school class. Where we where we have kept our minds is where we really are. Can I get a witness? That old song uh, somebody mentioned the other day we were talking about it. They were talking about you, you, your body is here but your mind is across town. Come on, anybody, anybody remember that song? I, 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 basically what they're saying is you're here with me but your, your mind ain't here. You, your, your mind is across town with, with whoever you... With, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Get a witness. So, so what, what, where we have kept our minds is where we are. Look at Romans the eighth chapter, right quick. Romans eight verse five through eight. I got to show you this right quick. I got a lot of ground to cover. So, so let's try to cover it as much as we can today, and then that which we don't finish today, we'll pick up next week. Glory to God. Romans the eighth chapter, verse number five through eight. Romans eight verse five through eight. Let's get that right quick. Come on, let's go. Ready? Let's read. Those who are, watch this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about what? Sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that do what? Please the Spirit. Now I want you to evaluate your thought life right now. Look at what this says now because the second truth I gave you is where we have kept our minds is where we are. Now you know better than anybody else what you've been thinking about all week. You know Better than anybody else, whether or not you've even pondered, reflected on, considered what God is trying to do in your life and what he wants you to do. You know it better than anybody else. Maybe you, you're you in church. I'm not doubting that you made a decision for Christ, but God don't want you to stay where you are. He's about transforming us. He wants us to get to the point like the Apostle Paul was when he wrote Philippians, he had joy in the midst of his circumstance. He says, whatever state I'm in that with, I've learned to be content. So you know what you've been thinking about, and you know if the things of God have been on your mind or not. Now, you can try to fool me, because we're good at, at doing uh, Christianese, or what I call church speak. When we roll up on a fellow, somebody who we know is a believer, Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed to the Lord, and I have a favor, brother. How are you? That ain't what you were saying a while ago. We, we, we got all the Christian talk down, but see, listen, God says, what are you thinking about? I want to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, the way you consider, the way you reflect, the way you reason, the way you ponder. So, so where we have kept our minds is where we are. Look, look at Romans. It says, "With well, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Watch what it says here in the next verse. Watch this. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, which tells me that I have a choice as to what I focus my attention on and what I choose to think about. But Pastor, you had me up until that point, but how am I going to control what comes into my mind? Well, listen, let me tell you something. The Bible says this. Bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. When that thought comes, it's coming. I told you before, you can't stop it from coming, but you can still stop it from planting, planting it up and taking root inside your head, right? It'll come, but if you put the word of God on the thought and capture it, that thought can't stay. I'm here to tell you, uh, brothers, it's hard to be fantasizing about somebody who's not your wife when you're in the word. Sister, it's, it's hard for you to be focused on somebody who's not your husband when you're in the word, when you're talking about what Jesus is talking about, when you allow the scripture, the word to become supplanted in your mind, it's hard, it's hard to think about immoral things when the word of God is before your eyes and you're you're contemplating, you're focusing on, you're thinking about it. You're making sure that, that that the word is getting down in your heart because when it gets into your head, it's got to get down in your heart because the Bible says, thy word have I did what? Hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Take that word out of your head, put it down in your heart, and when it comes bubbling out of your mouth, you know your heart is full of word, then you have the, a greater chance of not submitting to a, a false or a negative or a sinful thought that comes your way. Not saying that they won't come. And thoughts will come. Temptation will come. But it's what you do with it that determines where you're going to land. So where we have kept our minds is where we are. Look at verse, look at verse, the next verse, verse 6 says, So let me, for, for the sinful nature is what? It's always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. Verse number 8, watch this. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Watch this. How many of you know that even as a born-again believer, if you're not careful, you'll be like the folks in Corinth. They had made a profession of faith, and I believe that men were saved, but they were being controlled by their sinful nature. Don't believe me? That's, that's, can, we, can, we, can we walk through the word right quick? Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Very familiar passage. This is a little sidebar, but I got I to share this with you because... I think that if we're going to have kingdom impact, if we're going to to be able to to reach out and to minister to those folks who are exploring God during this pandemic, because I tell you I read an article that was sharing about the fact that during this global pandemic, uh, Google searches for God, church and ministry has increased exponentially. I mean, in other words more people are searching about God and about Uh, You know, what this stuff means and and what church is and what faith is all about. So if they are curious, we as a church need to be prepared to go and meet them and to reach out to them and to share with them so that we can plant a seed inside their heart and somebody else can come along and water and the Holy Spirit will give the increase. We got to prepare ourselves, but you can't do that if you don't ever think on spiritual things. If everything you think on is negative, it's fearful. We won't get there. Watch this. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Uh, uh, so, 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 what we think is what we become. Where we have kept our minds is where we are. Because uh, l- look at Romans the eight chapter verse number eight. Look at that one more time. We're going move on forward. Romans eight and eight. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. Romans eight and verse number eight. Glory to God. Let me see if I can find it right quick. Hallelujah. It says. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, you can be in the church and have been baptized, but never please God because your sinful nature is controlling you. So, so much so that in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, I think it was, uh, uh, verse number one, we'll go there right quick, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians, third chapter, verse number one, we're going to see the, the, the mindset of the church. Corinth was a legitimate church that Paul writes this letter to. 1 Corinthians, chapter number three. Verse number one. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse number one. Glory to God. Thank you. Holy Spirit. Text says this read. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. Now, don't don't miss this point. He's talking to the church. Look at what Paul says here. He says, I couldn't talk to you as I would the spiritual people. There are people in our churches right now who you can't talk to them about spiritual things because they're still calmly minded. They can't, you can sit that to you blue in the face, but because they haven't grown in their faith, they can't digest spiritual truths and spiritual principles. Look at the next verse, verse number two. Let's read. Come on, let's go. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. See, guys, if we're going to get to the point where we're like the Apostle Paul, when he was, he says, that whatever state I'm in, that with, I learned how to be content. No, what Paul says, I learned how to chill out. I learned how to chill out. I learned how to not let my circumstances move me. And, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that's where God wants all of us to be in a position where we don't allow people. Circumstances and situations to move us. I hear some of y'all out there right now. You like, well, brother Pastor, I'm good except for these two or three people who I work with, and if three or four of them at church, I can't stand. Well, baby, let me tell you something. You better learn how to chill and learn how to deal with, and and even when people don't you don't agree with people, you gotta learn how to get along with people. Hello? Even though you may not agree with them, you may not agree who they voted for, but you got to learn how to get along with people. Uh Uh-oh. Watch this. Watch this. He says this. I fed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. Look at this next verse. Let's read. For you are still controlled By your sinful nature. How do you know, how do you recognize that somebody's controlled by their sinful nature? Look at what he said. You're jealous of one another. Do we see jealousy in the body of Christ? Come on. Is, Is there jealousy in the body of Christ? Why, pray tell me, would a pastor over here start talking about a pastor over here because their church is growing and theirs is remaining stagnant? People over here getting saved, they're getting fulfilled, but now rather than rejoicing that they're getting fulfilled and they're saved and their life is being transformed, you're mad because they ain't coming to your church. I thought we were all on the same team. So we said, yeah, we're on the same team, Pastor, but as long as they're coming over here, you know, but if they come over there, I'm mad at you and I'm going to talk about you. Guys, that's, 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 that's straight from the pits of hell because the enemy... Satan, Beelzebul, is all, Beelzebub is all about division and not unity. And so if he can divide the church, he can render us ineffective in advancing kingdom principles. He says, well, watch this, for you are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. How many of y'all are argumentative? I'm waiting on y'all to just t- t- touch your wife, touch your husband, touch your child. How many of y'all are argumentative? See, when you, when, when you do a lot of arguing and quarreling with each other, that is a sign that you are still spiritually immature. Well, I just like to get my point across. Baby, let me tell you something. There's a difference between getting your point across and being argumented. Because when you're argumented, people don't want to talk, they don't want to talk with you because they know every time they, they come at you, you don't know how to receive stuff, and you're going to argue. You're going to fuss. That's not what God wants to be. Watch what you. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Watch what it says in verse number four. Let's read. It says what? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of this world? You know, we we have such thing in the body of Christ. We call them spiritual superstars. Well, I, you know, I, I don't even go to my church. I just sit at home and watch this, my, my favorite pastor online. Now, listen, online, we're using that too. But, baby, you need to be connected with a local church in some shape, form, or fashion. I, you know, I, I thank God that we're going to utilize this tool going forward. Amen. We were forced into this tool. But thank God we we saw it as an opportunity to advance, amen, our our outreach efforts. So we're going to continue to utilize it. But still, you need to be connected with a church body where you can come together, amen, at some point in time and interact with somebody face to face. Because that's how we encourage one another. That's how we get each other to grow in our faith. So God will use this tool right here to, to introduce you to EBC or whatever other church you're watching. But at some point in time, you need to connect with that local church. So you can do life together. It's hard for me to do life together if I never interact with you. Amen? I can use the tools that are available, but I need to interact with you so that I can encourage you, you can encourage me. When one of you says I'm a follower, follow Paul, don't, don't ever get lined up behind a personality. Men are fallible, women are fallible, and you follow Jesus. Follow the man, follow the woman as they follow Christ. That's what Paul says. Don't get so enamored with the personality that when the personality falls, you fall. What do you look like leaving church because the deacon did something crazy or the pastor did something crazy? That means that you were following them and not Christ. I tell you all the time, follow me as I follow Christ, but don't make Darl Adams a God. Because I'm a fallible human being. Human being. I'm going to live the best I can. And I'm not, I'm not going to purposely do something crazy. But I don't mean I'm, I'm, I'm beyond doing something crazy. But if I fall, don't you fall because I failed. Because I sure ain't going to fall because you fall, I'm going to come try to get you and pick you up. Because I'm following after Christ. The Corinthian church, because they were spiritual babies, they were lining up behind personalities. Now, Paul was a great man. Paul was a great man. But what but, but, but Paul is saying is, don't, don't, don't follow us as individual. Don't make us superstars in the body of Christ. You follow Jesus Christ. And when you find people lining up behind uh, your superstar personalities, then you know that they're, they're not spiritually mature. I don't care what they say. I am a follower of Paul and another says I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting just like people of this world? Verse 5. I'm going to stop here. It says what? After all, who's Apollos? Who is Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord did what? Gave us. Verse 6 for good measure. Come on, let's read it. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it but it was God who did what? Made it grow. So God is the one who should be getting the credit and not any man or woman. Amen? Can I get a witness? So, so, so uh, we see that they were spiritually immature. So I tell you, the truth is, is what we think is what we become. Where we have kept our minds is what we really are. And the third truth is, our thoughts shape our behavior. Your thoughts shape your behavior. So we got to get. Get on the high horse and begin to learn how to bring our faults into captivity because if our thinking is shaping our behavior, then if our behavior is off, that means our thinking is off. That's why God says, I want to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, the way you consider, the way you reason, the way that you ponder. Can I get a witness? The The way you reflect and the way you consider things. Thinking, changing the way you think. And what we do is what we think. Our thoughts shape our behavior, and what we do is what we think. You know it and I know it. Before you did whatever you did that was outside of God's will, you thought about it first. I said before you did what you did, you thought about it first. Before you did, before you took that. To, that did not belong to you. Before you interacted and slept with that person, who you morally and legally should not have been sleeping with, you thought about it first. You didn't just meet him and all of a sudden, bam, it just it just it just happened. No, it, just, it don't just happen. Fornication don't adultery don't just happen. I know we try to excuse it. Well, I don't know what happened. You know what happened. You thought about it before you did it. And so had we had we intervene during the thought process and begin to capture it and putting the word of God on it and then allowing the word of God to transform our focus. Then we would have prevented ourselves from going into that into that into that arena that God didn't want us to go into. Can I get a witness? So a person who centers his thoughts upon the world and his things will live for the world and his things. Y'all with me? Repeat that. A person who centers his thoughts upon the world and his and things will live for the world and his things. which money, wealth, lands, property. Pro- Those things in and of themselves are not wrong. But when they're our primary focus and we put them above our relationship with our God, then now we got things out of order. Can I get a witness? A mind set upon the world and the flesh is what leads to anxiety and worry and to emptiness and restlessness. Paul says, I've learned uh, in whatsoever state I am that would learn to be content. A worldly, mind, a worldly mind never knows peace, not true peace, not the peace of God. When you think it's worldly and it dominates your thinking, you can't have the peace of God. I like, what, I like what Isaiah 26 and 3 says. One of my favorite passages of scripture to quote. He says, thou will, I think it says, Thou will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because you trusted in thee. And we can be in that perfect peace, that peace that Paul had, the peace that that allowed Paul to chill out. He says, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. The point is this. When a person accepts Jesus Christ, his mind is renewed by the Spirit of God. Uh, Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter right quick, and I want to take a look at This this passage. This is a lot to unpack from this passage, so y'all, y'all bear with me. I want y'all to go along with me, and then I'm gonna give you some things that think can help us. uh, Number one, to see see how we can uh, uh, begin to uh, appreciate and learn from the transformation process that God takes us through. All right, Uh, let's let's uh, again, let's look at Ephesians the fourth chapter, verse number thirteen. Ephesians four, verse number thirteen. So this is some rich meat in this, in this passage, Ephesians four, verse number 13. Let's read along. It says, well, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, merging up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This, this verse comes on the tail end, tail end of him having said that he gave those fivefold ministry gifts, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, you know, uh, there's one more in there. Uh, let's, let's back up verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give those? Okay, He says their responsibility is to equip God's people. He gave those five-fold ministry gifts to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ. That's why he gave them. He gave those five-fold ministry gifts to equip God's people. So what that tells me is, is the pastor can't be, if a ministry is going to be successful, the pastor can't be the only somebody who's witnessing The pastor can't be the only somebody who's out there trying to build relationships with other folks. The pastor can't be the only one who's who's teaching. The pastor can't be the only one who's who's counseling. All of us, as we grow in in our faith, should be in a position where we can counsel somebody who's going through a, a trying situation. But we can't do that if we're not growing. Watch what it says here. So their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build a church by the Christ. Next verse says what? Let's read. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What will continue? The equipping of the saints by the fivefold ministry gift. That's going to continue until we measure up to the full and complete Standard of Christ. Now, guys, guess what? that's going to happen? Ain't going to happen until we see him face to face. Because as long as we're in this flesh, we need to be growing. It says the five-fold ministry gift will continue to equip the people of God until we measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ, until we're just like Christ. Did you realize that God saved you to become like his son? The longer you're saved, the more you should look like his son the longer you're saved, that stuff that shouldn't be in your life should be dropping off. Amen? Can I get a witness? Watch this, watch this now. It's important. I need you to hear this. Keep reading. Next verse says what? Let's go. Then we, we will no longer be immature like children. If we're honest about it, sometime in our churches, we got a church full of children, babies, whining, complaining, throwing fits, want their way. If they don't have it that way, they leave it. You know, it we can't afford to to have that. If we're going to advance kingdom principle, we need some maturing saints. Watch what he says. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Next verse says what? Come on. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Watch this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as, here's what I want to get to. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and what? And full of love. I like that. Each part does its own special work. Now, guys, you have a special part to play. You got a special work, and if everybody does their part, it helps the whole body become healthy. Come on, let me ask you a question. What would you do if all of a sudden your eyeball jumped up and started talking and said, I'm the eye and I want to start being the stomach. Now feed me. What you going to say? Oh, Lord Jesus. My eyeball went crazy because the eye was not designed to take in food. Can I get a witness? What if if your feet start saying, I want to do what the leg does and and, 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 and it's, not his, it's not his role. Understand what your gifting is and then flow in that particular gifting. Then you help the body grow. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and what? And full of love. Listen to be careful, when you stop changing, guys, God's trying to change us through five, four minutes of gift. When you, the moment you stop changing is the moment you stop growing. If this pandemic has done nothing else, it has forced all of us to change how we do church life. Huh? It's changed how we do church life. And I think it's change, it's, it's, it's gonna be if, if we we're gonna miss this if we try, if we all the thing we're looking back looking forward to is getting back to normal. I think God says the reason why we haven't been more effective as a church in America is because we've been too normalized. If you study the book of Acts. The early church was known as a people, a group who turned the world upside down. I want to ask you a question. Could your church be identified as an institution in in, in your community today that's turning your community upside down? I'm giving you the answer right now. I ain't going to say it for you, but I'm just giving you the answer. Most churches are not having any community impact. That's why you can go into some community. There's a church on every corner, and it's the worst neighborhood in the city. Why is that? I wonder why is that? Shouldn't we have power? Shouldn't we have the power to, 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 of the Holy Spirit flowing through us to help transform the lives of people? If I get you saved, you ain't gonna rob me. If, 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 I'm, if I'm letting the word of God do its perfecting work, if, I, if, if the church that I belong to is having kingdom impact, we ought to see our community being transformed. So God is saying... We got to do. We, we got to. We got to get out of our comfort zone, and let's start reaching people, building relationship with people, so that we can transform our communities. The body is built up when the various parts contribute to the whole. A perfect example of this is: How many of y'all ever heard of California redwood trees? Those big trees that that grow. Uh, they grow to you know some of them up to three hundred and seventy feet tall. And, and, and the, the, the diameter at, at the bottom of the trunk may be, may be up, to, up to 100 feet wide. But here's something interesting about those trees. They grow, uh, again, in some cases to be over 370 feet tall, and they can be 2,000 years old. Although their root system does not go down particularly deep into the ground, the secret to their stability is, and, and their growth is that their roots intertwine with the surrounding redwood trees. Underground, they're all interconnected. You may have a forest full for of trees, and, and, and they're, the roots are intertwined and So, when a strong wind comes, amen, that tree is rooted and grounded because it has the, the help of all those other trees around it holding it up. Think about that for a second. It, you can't mess with one without messing with the whole grove of trees, okay? And when strong winds do blow, that, that connectedness keeps the other from falling. And that's why it's so important in the body of Christ that we interconnect and we intertwine because that sixteen verse of, of, the, of the Ephesians, the fourth chapter, I believe we just read, talking about the fact that, that each one of us have a gift that when we utilize it helps build the whole body. So maybe, maybe the church is not where it needs to be because you're not operating your gift. Maybe the church is not as strong and as healthy as it needs to be because you are not resting and you hadn't chilled out and, be, and, and, and being content that this is what God called me to do. God didn't call me to pastor. God didn't call me to lead the choir. God called me to do exactly what I'm doing. Here's, what, here's one thing I learned in life, guys, and, I, and I've always been this way. I'm, I'm going to keep doing what God told me to do until God told me to do something different. And I don't sweat it. I don't try to make stuff happen. I don't try to create it. I just say, God, lead me and guide me. Help me to be sensitive to your voice. But but I, I, I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm not trying to be the next anybody else. I can be the best doll that I can possibly be. And I'm good with that from the standpoint of not trying to be like somebody else. I want to be like Christ. I'm not good with not but, but with falling short. I want to be pursuing after Christ. But we got to get out of this mindset of, okay, somebody else did this, so i got to do it just like they did that. No, that, that wasn't given to you. Can I get a witness? That wasn't given. Do what God has called you to do, and you can help show sure, up sure the body of Christ. Paul's main point in, the, in verses 17 through 32, that, that those next verses of that fourth chapter of Ephesians, was that Christians are not to live the way they used to live because they're not the people they used to be. Understanding your new life affects how you live in the new community. Not are watch. So so Paul, as we go back to Philippians, the fourth chapter, Paul says, I'm chilling. Paul says, Whatever state I'm in, I'll learn to be content. Did he not say that? So, so how do we get there? Well, first of all, if we're gonna get the way Paul, the way Paul was, he had joy in spite of whatever circumstance he was in. How many of y'all will admit and raise your hand and say, Pastor, I gotta change if I'm gonna get there? Uh, listen, there's some stuff that, that I, I, I find it hard to chill out on. When I hear certain news, if I, I, I'm scared of certain stuff. Or, or Pastor, I, I'm not chilling. I'm not content. I, I'm restless. I'm worried. I'm anxious. Well, the Bible just told us to be no, not over anxious or worried about anything, but if you're worried about it and you're over anxious about it, that means that there is something missing. You're not chilling. Look at your neighbor. You're sitting next to me and saying, chill. Now, now watch Watch. God uses a process to change us. Again, we, we know He transforms us a new person by changing the way we think, the way we consider, the way we reflect, the way we reason, the way we ponder. Some of us sitting here, and listening, some of y'all listening to me, hadn't changed the way you, th- the way you think about life in fifty years, and it, it's, it, it's a sad commentary if you get to a certain age and say, "Well, you know, I, I've been this way for fifty-five years. I, I, ain't, I ain't gonna change now. That's stupid." I shouldn't have said that. I offended you. Well, it, it, it's, it's unwise. Can I put it that way? It's unwise for you to say, here's the way I am. I'm not getting ready to change. And we got those kind of people in our church who won't change. But I'm here to tell you right now God has a process. If you belong to Him, God uses a process to change it because He knows we're stubborn. God wants us to change. Amen. Change is a necessary part of growing life. Amen. We need change in order to keep progressing. Amen. How, listen, you, we need change in order to keep progress. However, it seems like when we try to change ourselves, it doesn't last. When we try to change our eating habits ourselves, when we try to do certain things ourselves, it doesn't last. It, does, it doesn't have a permanent effect. The main reason. For that is that we work, when we try to change, we we work on the outside. We we work on the exterior. And And we work on the outside instead of our interior part, instead of our inward, man, instead of our motives. Any, hear me carefully, any lasting change must begin on the inside, and that's where God specializes. That's the work of God, inside change. Salvation has always been. Hear me carefully. Salvation has always been an inside-out job. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, Pastor. Well, I see folks who are still doing some of the same thing they did before they got saved. Well, see, it's an inside-out job. If I'm truly born again, my spirit man is new, but I got to work it from the inside. To the outside, i listened to a song last night. I, just, I had church uh, almost all night last night. I, I, there was a song, Jesus on. The, y'all heard the song, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life! Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life! Y'all, now, now, see, come on, y'all, y'all, y'all got to catch up. I, I, I praised him, took us back to the old church this morning. I like a little bit of old school mix in there. Come on. A little old school medley. Uh, but Jesus on the inside working, amen, to the outside, what a change in my life. See, you will not have lasting change unless you allow the inward process to take place that God wants to change our thinking. He wants to change our hearts. That's why, guys, uh, how many of y'all know that uh, prior to someone getting a a a gastric bypass surgery or a lap band surgery to shrink their stomach, one of the things they require an individual to do is to go through a process of of learning about this process so they're trying to change their thinking because they know, they know without a shadow of a doubt that they can put that band around your stomach and if you hadn't changed on the inside, you're going to lose weight for a little while because your stomach is smaller and it can't absorb as much. But if there's not an inward change, You're going to start back eating the way you used to eat, and next thing you know, that band that's on your stomach is going to start to expand. And next thing you know, you're going to be bigger than what you were before you got the surgery. They require you to go through a process of mentally, uh, internally affecting change. They want you to change the way you think about food, the way you think about healthiness, because they know if they don't do that, the change won't last for you. And the surgery will be a waste of money and time because you sat there and got the surgery done as a quick fix and didn't allow the internal change to take place. Are oh, y'all listening to me today? Any lasting change must begin on the inside and that's the work of God. So uh, there's a four step process to change that I want to I just put into your hearing right quick. I, I know my time is running and so I won't have time to dig into all of these real deeply but just listen to me real carefully. In the story of Jacob uh, in Genesis the 32nd chapter, go to Genesis 32 verse number t- 24. Uh, we can see the process God uses in helping us become the kind of person he wants us to be. This situation that we see recorded in Genesis chapter number 32 uh, was, a, was a turning point for Jacob. Uh, and serves as a a, a dramatic example of how God can change us. How many of y'all know what Jacob's name meant? His name meant trickster, schemer, or a cheater. See, back then when they named you, I know names don't mean a whole lot nowadays, but back then when they named you, your name was reflective of your personality, your personality bent. That's the way it was. Jacob meant cheater or schemer. He's the one that tricked his brother, right? Tricked his his dad and got got the the blessing that belonged to who? Esau. Then Esau was chasing him wanted to take him out. That very same Jacob, a cheater, a a, a schemer. Some of y'all may not have been named a name that fits your personality, but a lot of times you get a nickname that fits your personality, right? They'll name you something that fits maybe something you did in the past or whatever. Now, how many of of y'all know that I, I, my nickname is Lil Fella. Why are y'all laughing about that? <laughs> they named me Little Fella because when I was born, I was I was I was a minute small child, and so that that nickname carried through. Well, I guess it's, my sisters may st- still call me that, but but y'all probably ain't gonna call me that. Are you? Don't laugh too hard, okay? But, but usually names reflect the personality. So Jacob was a cheater. He was a schemer. In Hebrew, that's what his name meant. But a life-changing experience transformed him into a new person, and he became Israel, the man after whom the entire nation of Israel was later named. And after that experience, Jacob was never the same again. I'm, I'm here to tell you, when you meet Jesus, he don't want to leave you like he finds you and when you really embrace who he is and allow him to do his perfected work, you will not remain the same. I don't believe in being saved and still the same way, 100% the way you were before you got saved. There ought to be some evidence of your transformation in the way that you live life. There's some some important insights in this incident that, that, that show clearly the four steps required for transformation. Can I give them to you real quickly? Number one, the first step is crisis. Jacob in that 32nd chapter of Genesis was wrestling with an angelic being. Y'all y'all that have been in church for a prolonged period of time know, know the story. Uh, and so as he wrestles all night with this angelic being, uh, he, he, was, he was tenacious and committed to, to, to he wouldn't turn him loose and uh, the angel had to touch his inside of his hip socket and put it out and knock it out of socket in order for Uh, 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 to try to get loose from him, but Jacob still held on, okay? He said, I ain't going to turn you loose until you bless me, Why? Y'all know the story. The lesson we we see in this is that when God wants to change us, I told you this before, he starts by getting our attention, by putting us in a frustrating situation that is completely beyond our control. God uses experiences and problems and crises to get our attention And if you're in the middle of a crisis, God will use that situation to change you and me for the better. Um, We do this with our children sometimes. How many of y'all ever had children uh, who who make unwise, unthought out, poor decisions or just just maybe some some decision that that really makes you go, what in the world were you thinking? And how many of y'all as a parent ever used it as a teachable moment? All right. God does the same thing with us. We find ourselves, sometimes we make decisions that put ourselves in a crisis and God allows us to go into that crisis and he, some things God stopped, some things didn't get to us. God stopped it before it got to us. But guess what? Some things he allows to come into our life because he knows that if, we, if he can't get our attention, we stopped listening to the preacher a long time ago. We don't even show up for, for Sunday school or maybe Bible class. And so, but we say we love God. We say we love his word. But we're not showing that in our individual life. Jacob here, amen, the first step was a crisis. He, 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 he put him in a crisis and we tend, to, we, we tend to not change until we are forced to change. The second thing is, second step is, 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 is commitment. I'm going to have to stop right here and we're going to pick up on next week uh, on, on, this, on, on this part of this, this, this message. Because if we're going to ever chill out, we got to understand how God takes us through a process. Commitment is very important. Crisis first. The first step is crisis. The second step is commitment, guys. When the angel asked to be let go, Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was committed. He was persistent. He stayed with the situation and he worked it out. He was in a situation he didn't like. It was frustrating. It was getting him down, but he was 100% committed to stand with the situation until God Turn it around for good. Here's a lesson that we can learn. After God gets our attention with a problem, with a situation, circumstance, he does not solve it immediately all the time. He waits a little longer to see whether or not we really mean business. Because some of y'all know if you, if, if you get your child out of everything they get into, you don't really know if they, if they really truly repent or not. And I'm going to advise you, parent, quit getting your child out of every poor decision that they make. You are handicapping them for the future. All you helicopter moms out there. Y'all know what a helicopter mom is, right? You hover over your children. And everything they do from, from you telling the coach how many minutes to play him. You fill out all the stuff for school. You fill out his job application. You do his resume for him. You do everything for him. Just, just hovering over him. And the boy ain't never grown up. He's 35 and still can't make your decision because you helicoptered over. Don't do that. God doesn't do us that way because he knows that that he's there to help us, but there are times when God wants to see if we're really serious about being helped. Because some of us just sorry we got caught. Some of us just sorry we messed up and we're not really serious. So so the second step is God will allow us to stay for a little while because he wants to see if we're really committed. So I like what Galatians 6 and 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing for induces and we shall reap if we faint not. So I got to stop here. So the first step is crisis. The second thing that God uses as a process to change us is commitment. Be not weary in well-doing for induces and you'll reap if you don't give up. How many times have you given up in the midst of a crisis? How many times have you given up when things were not going the way you wanted to go, you just walked off the job and quit? There are people now who, who expect to be up, up here in, in in nine months when they don't, wanna, they don't submit to the process of growing. So we're going to look at these next two and we're going to flow into this latter part of this because Paul has some rich meat for us, guys. And if we'll follow this and we'll learn this, we can be like Paul. We can chill out. We can be content with whatever's going on around us. We can have joy in the midst of life's difficult circumstances. That's where God wants us to be because if we are... If we're able to still rejoice, no matter what's going on around us, the enemy can't discourage us, he can't dissuade us from promoting kingdom principles. Amen? Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. And he died so that you can live a victorious life, so that you can be like Paul, you can chill out. Look at David said, it's time to chill. Glory to God. Every head everybody close.